Okay, we have our scripture reading for the day. This uh, morning scripture is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. The Word of God. Lord God, I pray that you would meet each one of us right where we are today. We meditate on your word, words that have been written down for us so many, many years ago. We know that this is not uh, just a time of reading some ancient document, but this is a time where you want to speak to your people. Uh, So Lord, would you speak to us? And would you give me words to speak that come from you and not from me? In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in week three uh, of our sermon series on the parables of Jesus. So each week we're, we're kind of pulling one parable out of the text uh, and examining it and seeing uh, not just what was Jesus saying to his original audience, but what is, is Jesus saying to us now as, as followers of God. Um, so each week as, as we start, it's important to look at some of this background information. Who's the with the audience Jesus is talking to. The last few weeks, we were in Matthew 13. Now we've jumped into a different gospel. We are in Luke chapter 12. Uh, so to look at the original audience, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, says this. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousand had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak. So this is pre-COVID, right? So a crowd has gathered. There's many thousand. They're not six feet apart. Uh, They've they've drawn near to Jesus so much so that we hear that they are trampling on one another. There are so many people that have gathered to hear from Jesus. And Jesus teaches them. And coming up to verse 13, where we'll start today, before that he teaches uh, about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Uh, And he teaches about the Holy Spirit. And then we start in verse 13 for today. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, what is going on here? So so thousands of people have gathered. Jesus is teaching them. He's talking to them about the Pharisees. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And someone from the crowd uh, doesn't really ask Jesus. They're kind of telling Jesus. They say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It seems kind of out of the blue, 
it seems kind of random. You know, what's going on? Like, what's going on here? There's, uh, there's all of these people and Jesus is teaching and, and, and they're just there and they're kind of absorbing what he's saying and it's life-changing. But yet there's somebody in the crowd who's worried about their inheritance. And that person is so worried about their inheritance that they, they actually call out from the crowd to Jesus himself, asking Jesus to tell their brother to divide the inheritance. Now this might seem uh, completely out of the blue, and if you listen to uh, a few different sermons on this text, I like to listen to different people during the week. Uh, Some people act like this is just uh, so totally weird, Uh, and then other people will point to that there may have been this tradition among rabbis, among teachers, in Jesus' day, where they would kind of arbitrate these kind of disputes. They would kind of stand up with someone who was was seen as wise, someone who was seen as holy, uh, and kind of like the judges of the Old Testament, uh, people would come before them and they would kind of judge over even some of these civil matters. Now, there's laws in place that uh, just dictate how this should go. In their culture, uh, the oldest son would get two shares of their parents' inheritance, and everyone else would split the rest uh, amongst themselves. That, that was the law. That was just what, what any wise teacher would say back then. You know, just do what the law says. The law says uh, the oldest gets basically a double share, and everyone else gets, uh, gets equal. Uh, so lucky for you, oldest uh, siblings. Uh, good for you. Uh, you, get, you get your double share, and, and everyone else gets their single. So uh, it does make sense that when we get to Jesus speaking in verse 14, Jesus uh, doesn't seem to like the question. Verse 14, Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Verse 15, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And that is the point where that gentleman now shrinks back into his chair. <laughs> but, but see what Jesus is doing. He, he comes forward and he says, divide, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that. This is the first thing on my mind. I've come, I'm hearing from Jesus, but, but what's on my mind is, is the situation with finances. And Jesus says, what's on your mind is actually what's in your heart. So be, be on guard, not about the finances, but be on guard about the greed that might be within. And he, he uses this to teach the entire crowd. He cuts right to the core of the issue. And the core of the issue is an issue of greed. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This line, think about this. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That is not where you find life. That is not where life is found at. It is in an abundance of, of things, an abundance of having things. I really can't think of a more perfect sermon for American Christians. It's also a sermon that, you know, I don't know, it's my second year at the church. I can preach about greed now. 
You know, it just kind of feels like one of those. You know, it's not an easy sermon. It's not a sermon that we're like, oh, yay, a sermon about our greed. <laughs> Listen, please <laughs> show me this weakness uh, in myself. But before I even get to the parable itself, I have two points that Jesus is pointing at here. The first one is simply this line, beware of greed. It's like our society is set up to cause us to never be content with the things that we have. That is kind of what everything is wrapped around. It's all wrapped around keeping us away from being content, keeping us consuming, keeping us wanting more, and believing, maybe not saying it out loud, but believing that life can be found somewhere in possessions, in gaining more and more things, more clothing, more power, more possessions, more influence, better and nicer cars, bigger houses with better views, always wanting to get ahead, always attracted to the newest thing, the newest technology, the newest phones. And what Jesus is saying here is beware of this. This is dangerous. If we are not careful... We will constantly be allowing our desires for something more, something else to bypass our desires and our commitment to Christ. We'll never be content as long as we are chasing after more things. So beware of greed. Point number two, before I even get to the parable, Jesus is talking about the priorities of life. So Jesus calls the crowd, and he calls us today to re-examine our priorities, to re-examine our life. Life is more than just getting things. Life is more than just building more and more possessions for ourselves. True life is actually found in relationships and found in joy, not in material goods. Life can be found in family. Life can be found in joy, making an impact on others. Life can be found in being a person of significance. All of these bring true life, but there's kind of this this fake joy, this, this fleeting happiness that comes with just gaining material goods. You can have all things, and you can think that things will make you happy, but the secret that we all deep down know inside is that the things will not make you happy in the end, and you can take none of it with you. Some of the most miserable people have it all. I've read stories of uh, rock stars and musicians that, that gain everything. They, they think they have it all. They've gained the success they've wanted. They've gained the following they've wanted. They gain the, the finances and the big home. Uh, and they're miserable. And they're miserable. And then there's some people in our world who have a tiny, tiny fraction of the material goods that each and every one of us have. A tiny sliver of it but yet they're living a true life. A life of meaning. 
So Jesus says the true secret of joy and contentment is that it doesn't exist in the abundance of things that you have. It's at this point where I feel like you all are agreeing with me. In your mind, you're kind of agreeing. You're like, yes, you know, that's why, that's why when we moved to the mountains, that's why we downsized. Uh, that's why we got the small house. You know, like we all, we all get it. We're all like tracking with you here. But I think this is kind of where Jesus' audience was too. And then Jesus went into this parable to point out, you might think you agree, but are you living like you agree? Are you planning your life like you agree? Are you thinking more about uh, what comes after this world? Or are you thinking more about your next vacation? You spend more time planning your next vacation than you do planning uh, in investing in, in the world after this. The parable itself. So after saying all this, Jesus told the crowd this parable. And I warn you here, Jesus does not sugarcoat this at all. Uh, this is a parable that I've only heard probably a few times preached in churches, uh, and probably for good reason. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable. But, but this is not a parable that Jesus uh, leaves vague in the end. So here it is. This is verses 16 through 21. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus ends with verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So what's going on here? Verses 18 through 19. Uh, it's, it's the man talking to himself. So he's, he has this harvest that has come. Verses 18 through 19. I'm going to read, read for you uh, and see if anything stands out. That he, meaning the farmer, said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You see this farmer here, this rich farmer, he has the same issue that many of us do on a daily basis. He was blind to the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story, we are told that the ground 
of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. What was blessed? The ground was blessed. And God blessed it. God blessed the ground of a certain rich man, and all he does is talk about eyes. I've heard this sermon called The Man with Five Eyes Who Can't See. (laughs) I kind of like it. (laughs) There's a man in the Bible with five eyes who cannot see. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store up my surplus of grain, and I will say to myself, you got a little bit of an issue if you say, I will say to myself, that there's a sign there. I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But yet, we read in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. But in the same way, whenever we are successful, it is so easy for us to look and to credit ourselves. This man, later on, by God, is called a fool. But if we're honest, most of us live life somewhat similar. We look at blessings that we have, we look at things that are going well, things things that are going good, and we credit them with who we are. We credit them with our own abilities. But every good and perfect gift comes from God. So my house is from God. My family is from God. My job is from God. That promotion that I thought I worked so hard for, notice the two eyes there. That promotion that I thought I worked so hard for, that is from God. Every good and perfect gift is from God. So the harvest here, the abundant harvest, is a gift from God. but it's so easy to think it all comes from us. My intelligence, my abilities, my work ethic, my resources, my study habits. And there lies the problem. We fail to realize that we don't truly own any of it. It's kind of at a core of Jesus' teaching here. You may think that you own stuff. You may think that, that life can even be found in this abundance of stuff that we own. But the truth is that it's all a gift. It's all a gift from God, and we are not called to own it. We are called to be stewards of it. All of it. And I think if we just make that simple shift in our minds, which is a very complicated shift, but yet a simple shift, from owning everything that we have to being stewards of it, uh, to being people that have been given resources and and ability and influence, and how do we live into that? Uh, I think it's a radical shift in our world. So the farmer was given a good harvest to steward well. And what does he choose to do? Again, I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So is the problem that this man had things? Not necessarily according to verse 21. The problem is not that he has things, because in verse 21, uh, it's that, that he stored up things for himself, and yet was not rich towards God. He built bigger barns, and he dreamed of all the money that he would have when he finally sells the grain. The markets existed. He could have gone and sold the grain right when it, when it was done growing. But, but anyone in agriculture, even today, you know that you, you store grain, uh, and then you sell it when the market's high. So he's, he builds bigger barns, and he's going to store this surplus. And when the market's high, he's going to sell it. But this is all in the future. So, so he builds the bigger barns, and he goes to sleep, and he dreams of all the money he will have. But he's a fool. God's words, not mine. But he's a fool because that night his life was demanded from him. And he couldn't take any of it with him. I think it shows our heart a little bit if we just examine uh, this one part of verse 21. God says, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And if that is a cringe-worthy thought in your own mind, then I think there's something there that needs to be examined more. It's a cringe-worthy thought for this this fool, as Scripture says. That he, has, that he has stored all this up and now someone else will get it. That he has stored up all these goods and, and now someone who didn't even work for it will just get it all. So he couldn't take any of it with him. All that mattered now was his relationship with God. One of the early church fathers in second century or so uh, was examining this text and the takeaway uh, that he gives is, is something to do with investment. And he says, the rich fool looked at the world around him and he decided that the worthy investment was to invest the grain in such a way that would allow him to have this, this life that he describes, this life of, of eating and drinking and be merry. And, and he invested in that. He put his, his grain into barns when he could have put his grain into the bellies of the hungry that were around him. And the question becomes, where is a better investment? Where is a better investment for him to put the grain? Now, it's a good thing to invest wisely. It's not saying don't save. It's not saying uh, just spend whatever you have. Actually, I mean, we, we can't read that in because Proverbs 21, verse 20, uh, says the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, again, the word fool, but fools gulp theirs down. So here the wise are storing it up. Uh, and fools are the ones who gulp it down. So we are called to invest wisely and to invest 
intentionally and to realize that it is of no value to be rich here and to be poor in God or to be poor in our relationship with Christ or to be poor in, uh, in how we uh, will live in eternity. Remember, in the beginning, there's a man who's in a crowd of thousands of people. And he's hearing Jesus teach. He's there. He, he's living the dream. This is what so many Christians and so many centuries since then would, would love to have. How much would you love to be in that crowd? Maybe not getting trampled. But how much would you love to be just, just a fly on the wall? And he doesn't know what he has. And he, and he has the boldness to stand up and say, Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And, and Jesus is looking at him and it's like, don't you know where you are? Don't you know who you're, not don't you know who you're speaking to like, like he's arrogant or something, but don't you know what moment this is? And yet you're worried about your inheritance. Worry about something that is so much greater. You're worried about, about the money. At this point, Jesus is in front of you. This inheritance will do you no good the moment that you are called home. So Jesus tells this parable to say, be careful about what you place your values in. Again, Jesus is right in front of him. And he's worried and concerned about money. All the money in the world will not stop the end of his life from coming. And when it does, make sure that you are rich towards God, as verse 21 says. All this stuff, all this stuff, American church, all this stuff, uh, chapel in the Pines, all this stuff that we acquire, all of this stuff will just go to someone else. But there are things with eternal value that will not go to someone else. There's, there's relationship with God that matters. There's, there's a spiritual truth that matters. There's a discipleship of following Christ that will continue to matter. So Jesus is telling us to be mindful of our investments, to be mindful of where we invest our time, to be mindful of where we invest our finances, who we invest in around us, to be mindful of, of are we uh, people that could easily say, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will do this and I will do it all because I am smarter and I am, I don't know, bigger and faster and whatever else. Uh, and I understand finances better than other people and, and I'm going to be successful. And Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Successful? What kind of success are you even talking about? Like, you, the, this rich man is not, is not going to have everything and that's not going to stop the night from coming where he is called home. It's not going to end it. And he's not going to take any of it with him. And, and he's going to, it's just going to go to other people. It's going to go to other people either way. 
It's, it's just not coming with you. But yet we live in a society that, that and I'm just as guilty as anyone else, where uh, you know our, our house is, is small, so then we need, we need to build a shed. <laughs> you know, we, we, need to, we need to have these other places around that we could store things, that we can have more and have more. And, and, and we think somewhere inside that life will be found. That somewhere inside that we will gain uh, true life, true meaning, true significance through, through getting more things. And Jesus is saying here quite simply, be careful. Be careful of the condition of where your heart is. Be mindful of what greed is. Because you can't take it with you. And and you can bless people in the meantime. You can live a life of significance in other ways. Life can be found, but life is not found in the abundance of your possessions.